All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, April 3rd. F it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, we are here in the year 2023. So good good to see you and good to continue this long, long running uh, show that we've been doing for a very, very long time, as listeners now know. Yes, absolutely. Um, so just to give an update, I am not still sick. <gasps> I am hoarse. Okay. From screaming for Cody Rhodes last night. Yep. And yep. Uh, we all know how that worked out. Yep. Well, Clayton, it was a wild weekend watching WrestleMania, but you know, it doesn't seem like the two night WrestleMania negatively affected the box office because I mean, listen, I think there's going to be a lot of crossover between fans of WWE and fans of D and D and those fans managed to find time to do both this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear that, uh, that the bloodline did not keep people from going to see the new Dungeons and Dragons honor amongst thieves movie. So Clayton, would you like to give a special WrestleMania weekend plow for yes. this week at the box office. Well, Roman Reigns may have retained, but John Wick Chapter 4 didn't because the number one movie in America is Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which made $38.5 million in its debut weekend. Number two, John Wick Chapter 4 made $28.2 million, down 62%. It's at $122.8 million in its second weekend. Number three, his only son from Angel Studios made $5.5 million in its first weekend. Number four, Scream 6 made $5.3 million, down only 36%. It lost 339 theaters. It's at $98.2 million in its fourth week, and it's going to make 100, Pat. Number five, Creed. Oh, yeah. Number five, Creed 3 made $5 million, down 39%. It is losing 380 theaters, and it is at $148.5 million in its fifth frame. That is your top five. All right, so Clayton, we're going to get into our new champion Dungeons & Dragons Honors amongst, Honor Amongst Thieves, but a couple of quick things I want to hit here. First of all, John Wick Chapter 2, uh, chap, sorry, Chapter 4, was mm-hmm. uh, outstanding again at number 2. Had a, a higher drop than we thought, but still 62% in line with what a big number one movie typically drops in its second weekend. But on this show last week, Clayton, you and I were talking about how after this incredible performance, there's got to be a top five. There's got to be a a chapter five. They got to do a sequel. It's a slam doink. And then word broke this week. You know, no sequel has been announced. No chapter five has been announced. But the director, Chad Stahelski, has directed all of the John Wick movies. He did say in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter that... uh, they're open to it. And he knows if the right idea comes along, the team, which I assume means Keanu Reeves would be open to it. And uh, my guess is the right idea will be let's have John wick do another movie. That's the idea. This movie is a giant smash at the box office. The idea will be, Hey, what if John wick was in a movie again? 
Yeah, you bet. know what's a great idea is a Brinks truck full of money. That's a great mm, idea. Great idea. That's the idea, idea that they're waiting for. Yes, yes. So the idea, exactly. The idea that they are hoping to hear very soon that will light them up creatively is the studio saying, how's about more? How's yeah. about double? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sounds like a good idea. Listen, this movie is a smash. It's the rare uh, thing where they have created a new gigantic IP within the last couple of years. And you got to sequelize that. Now they are doing spinoffs. There's the ballerina movie. Apparently there's a continental movie. Um, chapter four definitely set up other characters to spin off. But the big, big money is in Keanu's back chapter five. And I think that, listen, this movie is at $122 million after two weeks. That is massive. This is an IP that you gotta milk dry. And then you, when it's dry, you milk a little dust out of it afterwards. So can I just applaud Scream 6 here a little bit? Go for it. About John Wick. So this movie was poised this weekend to actually beat his only son, but his only son sort of nosed forward, Mm -hmm. which is great. But I mean, only 36% drop in a fourth weekend. And this is like a horror film. Mm -hmm. And also, it's a film that has spoilers that have already been spoiled. Mm -hmm. And people are still going to see this movie. I mean, this is a movie that's going to make over $100 million. And, I mean, the Paramount's just just killing it right now. Yeah, yeah. This is, Clayton, this is a movie, Scream 6, that is poised to become... The highest grossing Scream movie ever. Not Mm. the highest grossing sequel. This movie is going to outgross the original movie probably in the next week. Because the original Scream uh, has made $103 million at the domestic box office. Only two of the Scream movies have gotten over $100. This movie is at $98 million. In the next week, Scream 6 will be the highest grossing Scream movie of all time in a 27 year franchise. And it's a number six. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's what's amazing about this. This is, this is stunning. The performance of this movie is, is incredible. And the health of the scream franchise is, uh, is, is, is just something that we should all, we should all, uh, we should all acknowledge scream you mm-hmm. know everyone acknowledge scream right acknowledge now acknowledge it yeah yeah so then before we get to dungeons and dragons we got to mm-hmm. look at number 6 Shazam Fury of the Gods this is a movie that made 4.7 million down 49% it's hemorrhaging theaters yep and it's at 53.5 million dollars in its third weekend now this is a family film as we've been bludgeoned into believing by Zachary Levi. And this thing got its lunch eaten by Dungeons and Dragons, right? And now Mario coming out this Wednesday is going to completely decimate this film. Yes, yes. This movie, Shazam, uh, Fury of the Gods, has now, after three weekends finally made as much money as the original Shazam made in its opening weekend. Wow. That is how bad 
the performance of Fury the Gods is and how thoroughly rejected this movie is and how much in the decline superhero movies or at least non-A-list superhero characters, how much they are in decline right now. That has taken three weeks for Shazam 2 to make in total as much as Shazam 1 made in its first three days. It's so funny because let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons on Let's Ramon do Steve's. it. And it's time. The, thi- the thing that I've been hearing is, wow, it's so great to have a movie that's not a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of buzz like that yes. about this film where it's, wow, a, a special effects film that is not a superhero film. So there is fatigue. And I, I think, like we've said before, people are still going to see superhero superhero movies, huh? It's not going to crater uh, overnight, but man, DC is dropping the Blue Beetle trailer today, and mm. I am just very excited to see what they're going to try to make this movie into, because that thing we know is going to be a total disaster. Yes. But yes. a movie that's not a total disaster, Dungeons and Dragons, opened to 38.5. Now, it was looking like 40 all weekend. And mm-hmm. then it had a soft Saturday. Mm-hmm. And this is a good opening for this movie in the sense that it was on the higher end of its tracking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a blow away like, wow, this was uh, something so beyond what we could have hoped. But 38.5 is for sure on the high end. You know, this is a a movie where the low end of the tracking had it possibly in the high 20s. Mm-hmm. And this is a remake of a movie that bombed 20 years ago. You know, the original um, Dungeons I, and Dragons. I wouldn't say it's a remake of a movie. I oh, think no, it's not a remake. Re- but, you know, it's, it's a re... Yeah. They're re they're rebooting a IP, IP where the first movie, the only movie, was a bomb. Mm-hmm. So there is always the possibility that this, you know, this IP had some theatrical stink on it. And I think we're going to see next week another IP that had longtime theatrical stink on it is going to completely wipe that stink off forever and ever. And everyone knows what movie I'm talking about there. But Dungeons and Dragons was an IP where this movie easily could have been a disaster, easily could have bombed open to in the teens if it had been bad. So this opening to 38.5, what it does to me is it wipes the stink off of this IP mm-hmm. and turns Dungeons and Dragons into a viable theatrical franchise, which as we'll talk about when we, I think we're going to read an email that we got this weekend from a wannabe oh boy. And that's very important. I think this opening weekend is very important because it makes D&D a viable theatrical franchise that's yeah. what, that's what this 38.5 does so here is an interesting thing about D, this movie mm-hmm. in particular so according to anthony d'alessandro d is for D D. D is for D D at mm-hmm. deadline mm-hmm. the difference in box office can be contributed to format and ticket pricing now they're talking about this is a comp for Dune, right? Which opened to 41. Okay. Not including early access activity. 74% of consumers have elected to see D&D in standard auditoriums as opposed to premium experience. 
Wow. Which Dune had at 58%. So 58% of people went and saw, you know, Mm -hmm. Dune in a premium. Gross-wise, 22% of D&D's box office came from PLFs, 10 came from IMAX screens, and 3 from other premium formats, right? So that is super interesting because we're seeing now that people are going to see more movies mm-hmm. and they are budgeting what they think deser- not deserves to be a PLF, but what they need to see in a PLF or an IMAX and what they don't, right? Mm-hmm. My assumption here is that people went and saw John Wick 4 in IMAX, in mm-hmm. Screen X, in 4DX. And then they were like, you know what? I'm going to see D&D but I'm going to budget for this. I want to see it, but I'm not going to spend the highest level of money for that because they also might be saving a little bit of dough for Mario. Right. So that's an interesting wrinkle. I mean, we were saying more premium screens, more premium screens, which I agree with, but that does not mean that we are totally abolishing all regular screens. Right. Because there's still going to be a contingent of people who aren't subscribers to A-list or, or, uh, uh, you know, things like that. And will want to say, hey, I'm going to go see this at a matinee because mm. this movie did most of its business early in the afternoon where John Wick was a late night movie. Yes, yes. And, you know, the D&D crowd is used to experiencing D&D on a cardboard flat surface with little, you know, quarter of an inch figurines, you know, mm-hmm. that, that is, that is the, uh, level of product, uh, of production value that D and D fans expect out of D and D. So you need to step them up before they get all the way to 40 X, all the way to IMAX. So I think the the D and D fans wanting to just move up a little bit and see it in regular standard 2d makes sense. You can't jump straight from, a cardboard flat surface all the way up to IMAX. It would be so too think, scary of a jump. They yes. need to, to get, work their way up there. Yeah, so I, IMAX, I do think that's part of what D&D needs to accustom their fans to is them just being on a giant screen. It's it's a lot for them. Yes, that yeah, that would be a dissonance to, for them yeah. to um, see something so big and right. so... 3d right 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 because fans of this ip are used to experiencing D D, and i'm guessing when you said how you were a huge D D player last week that most D fans player. like yourself are, are used to experiencing D D on a table in a parent's basement you know so yeah, to go from a parent's basement, basement to a, an imax screen or to rumble seats or to other plfs that is a big leap that could be disconcerting that could really affect your four eyes and such. So I, th- I get it how most D and D ticket buyers went with standard definition screens this first weekend. Yeah. So we've got that. And I think that's actually good, right? Because yeah. that means that we are getting people going at different times using different screens and mm-hmm. overall, just going to the movies. Yes, yes, yes. This is 
this is a great win for the movies. It's a great win for the owners of this IP. This is a nice win for Chris Pine. You know, we went through his box office history on our weekend preview episode, and he has not fared well other than, you know, Star Trek movies or movies where he is the second or third lead in a film. Whenever he's been the above the title star of a film, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finest hour, his Jack Reacher shadow recruit movie, those movies have been bombs. So I think this is a big win for him to finally have. Obviously, the IP itself is the star, but Chris Pine was the big star of this movie, and it opened at the high end of expectations. So this is a big win for him. And there was some harsh weather in the southeast, uh-huh. yep. north northeast that kind of impacted all movies so it impacted john wick it impacted this so there is as anthony d'alessandro says room for growth here yep now one thing in this article that gave me pause okay because i was i was psyched about this opening i thought paramount did an amazing job promoting this film taking a like like you said a dead or besmirched ip mm-hmm. and making this into a movie that beat not beat its tracking, but was at the high end of the tracking. But Anthony invokes the Power Rangers movie. Okay. From late March, 2017, which opened a 40.3, right? Mm. And then Mm. only did 85.3 stateside and the sequel was never made. Mm. So, that's one of those things where everybody who wanted to see that film, the Power Ranger diehards, went the first weekend and then it did not have legs. Now, right. I saw that movie because that was movie pastime. Okay. And I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it. I was not a Power Ranger fan. I did not have any sort of allegiance to the OG cast or any of that stuff. So it didn't mm-hmm. matter to me that this were these were all newbies mm-hmm. now power rangers has a very hardcore fan base they there's a, a a million different iterations on tv so there could have been saturation there it's not special but that did give me pause with this movie is that this is a movie D that opened to less than what power rangers did and it's going to be going up against mario Mario. So yeah. it's like very this movie may end up in that same bucket as Power Rangers. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll talk about this a little bit on our weekend preview. Um but here's here's my thought on why this is a, a totally different situation is Power Rangers is so clearly on its surface a four fans only property. I mean mm-hmm. you cannot sell that concept and that look to general mass audiences. They are in cheap looking space suits with helmets and each person each suit is a different color and that is such clearly IP that a, a regular average person will want nothing to do with. And it's a film that had zero recognizable actors. No I mean n- nothing sniffing a star and you know, that's similar to, I think, something else you could look at as a comp are the uh, Crunchyroll films, which, you know, uh-huh. have opening weekends that are big and cater to the fans. But like Power Rangers, those movies 
cannot spread, I think, to the mainstream, at least right now. The, the, there's just nothing that, that could get the average non-super fan audience to even give it the time of day. Dungeons & Dragons obviously is a very specific IP and maybe a quote-unquote nerdy IP, but the presence of someone like Chris Pine lets the average movie go or be assured this is a real movie. You know, this is not yeah. a stunt movie. This is going to have an actor that you've seen in real movies is going to be in this. This is not a for the fans only property. So I don't think Dungeons and Dragons has any risk of suffering a Power Rangers or Crunchyroll type fate. Chris Pine well, alone tells people this is a real movie that you won't have to be embarrassed going to next week. That's very true, but in the defense of Power Rangers, they did they did up the budget. It did not look like the TV shows. They did not go with the same outfits. They tried to make them look more high tech. They tried to bring them into the 21st century. So I, but I, they I didn't think... cast a real actor in the movie. Uh yeah. I mean, I'm I, I unless we go back to the IMDb, I'm I'm looking at this uh, photo here of the cast, and I don't see anybody striking me as someone who broke out from that film. So right. I mean, I agree in that sense. Stars or very recognizable recognizable actors is a plus for D and D. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I'm looking for some of our favorite thing to look at, which is demos. Demos. Okay, so I am looking at the demos. Out. Oh, here right I got now. Them. You got the demos. Great. Sixty-one percent of guys showed up to D and D with men over twenty-five. The biggest demo at forty-one percent. Women over twenty-five at twenty-seven percent. Guys under 25 at 20% and women under 25 at 12%. Mm. The 18 to 34 sect came out at 63%. Diversity demos, 48% Caucasian, 26% Hispanic and Latino, 8% Asian, and I mean 10% Asian and 8% Black. So not diverse let's not let's diverse just say no not diverse and Dungeons you know what and... yeah it's it, just it not a properly played... at this point go for it well i'm sorry it played to the base is what it did i mean and the thing is this is a this is a franchise that needs to be discovered by other people because it is very uh, fo- I mean, you see a lot of white people playing d and I mean, I'm just saying it boldly. I mean, right, not right. that other people don't play it and that D&D hasn't been diversified in the last decades or so, but it's still a very white dorky thing to do. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you look at these diversity numbers or these demos and they basically skew along what the population lines are, you know, yeah. in the United States, there's no one over indexed. I would say it seems like the black population under indexed here yeah. and the Caucasian population over indexed a little bit. So it didn't spread out anywhere. And listen, Chris Pine is the star is not going to be who you go to, to spread to more diverse demos. He's a real steer the ship make sure all the Caucasian D&D players take this movie seriously. That's the the 
the reason you pick Chris Pine there, not to open it up to brand new audiences, which is is after the disaster that was the 20 years ago movie. Mm -hmm. the, the play here is to write the ship, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, and you see here, 26% Hispanic. I mean, Michelle Rodriguez definitely brought some people into the yep. theater, you know, yep. because yep. that's somebody that is in the Fast and Furious movies. She's playing a, 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 a an ass kicker in this movie. So mm -hmm. that opens that door. And I do think this has good word of mouth. And maybe a lot of people saw John Wick this weekend. And, you know, this movie could be something that on a Tuesday, someone's going to take a flyer on because it opened number one, which is right. key. And they heard it was good. Right, right. Well, the other big thing is a lot of elementary schools are currently in some kind of spring break okay. right now. And I don't know, maybe even the high schools and colleges, but there are a lot of children who are home this week. So the obviously rats are is, running free and they the need rats, to be reined in. Yes. The rats are all over the city, all over the countryside, you know, city rats, country mice, they are heading somewhere. So you got to open those uh, theater doors and let them stream in. But that is going to be huge for Mario, which of course opens this Wednesday. But yes. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves has to take advantage of these vermin, these children that are running around and get them to buy tickets for this movie. So, mm -hmm. you know, that should it should be a big week series of weekdays for this film because unlike Shazam, uh, Fury of the Gods, this actually does seem to be a family film. Mm -hmm. Yes, an actual family film. So I think let's move off of D&D. &D. It had a very, very solid, I would say, not great, but very good overperforming opening weekend. Let's move to His Only Son, which, man, we got to stop underestimating Jesus as a box office star because mm -hmm. we both had this movie opening out of the top five probably opening under three million dollars and his only son from angel studios opened to 5.5 million dollars as a fathom event and opened number three yes I mean, this is incredible yeah so a little bit of demos for this okay 65% female leaning, 66% over 45. Wow. Which is the standard for these type of movies. Largest one to see was those over 55 mm -hmm. who repped 46% of the crowd. Now, diversity demos again. Um, Jesus has the same sort of demo breakdown as D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. 56% Caucasian, 29% Latino, Hispanic, 7% Black, and 8% Asian. Bible Belt did the best business. Wow, the, the top theater being in Lititz, Pennsylvania. Lititz, Pennsylvania. Lititz. Represent. Yes. Not, not Lil Tits. No, not Little Tits. Huh? But, huh? Lititz. I mean, it would be... It would be uh, something if a town of Lil Tits was the 
most uh, popular destination for the Jesus movie. You know, it'd be a real statement for the for the people of Little Tits. I mean, be it would sacrilegious, is what it would be. Okay, okay. Um. So yeah, Jesus, hardworking people in Lidditz. I'll tell you what, hardworking people over there. Okay. Well, good you people. so you good people. Salt of the earth, you would say. Salt of the earth. So good for Jesus. This is a huge win for him. And yeah, you're right. There's a lot of crossover between the Jesus and D and D audience, and the fact that his only son was able to open number three in a weekend with Dungeons Dragons also opened is a mm-hmm. credit to the star power of Jesus, you know? And, yeah. and you could say he's been oversaturated this year because we've had two different chosen movies have opened up and now you've got this, but. And the, Jesus Rev- Rez- Revolution. And Jesus Revolution. Oh my God. Is Jesus Revolution? Yes, did finish top 10. So there are two Jesus movies in the top 10 this week you have as many jesus movies as you do superhero movies in your top 10 right now 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 can i blow your mind pat can i blow your mind of course jesus revolution currently its total gross is only three million dollars less than shazam fury the gods wow there was yeah now i know it took longer because it's been six weeks but listen shazam ain't gonna make that much more Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be tight because Shazam did make four point seven this weekend where Jesus Revolution made one. So it's still at the point where for the next few weeks Shazam will make more per week than Jesus. So I don't know where Jesus Revolution will be able to catch up. Now, if you combine the Jesuses and you mm-hmm. combine his only son with Jesus Revolution, then combined they are able to overtake uh as shazam fury of the gods mm-hmm. you know because those those gods the jesus as as a, a singular god combining jesus revolution and his only son beat all of the gods that are in fury of the gods shazam too mm-hmm. so it's a little it's funky math but you know jesus is a funky guy so i think it's fair to to run those kind of numbers yeah um and then you've got uh, yeah, this is probably going to be the only big weekend of his only son. Though I don't know. Do they keep it as another Fathom event next weekend for Easter weekend? I think they should. And I think they probably will. To me, that makes business sense. Easter weekend should be a pretty solid, at least Friday and Saturday. For the yeah, movie. we need to get we need to just get someone in that world to be a correspondent for us. Yes. I mean, because we, because we just, these movies are impossible to track. Yes. Yes. Right. Because, you know, Box Office Pro, which they're not infallible, huh? Huh? Only one one was. They are uh, not able to figure out the patterns of these movies because it's just been recent that these Fathom events have become what they've become. And the people who are going to see these movies aren't posting on Twitter beforehand about the movie, mm-hmm. you know, right. they're, they're just going, walking up saying one for, for his only son or what is it called? His only son. Right. And, you know, stoically watching this movie, getting up, going home, going about their business. 
you mm. know? And so that's the thing is that they're not hysterically tweeting about the movie like somebody who is defending Shazam or right. denouncing Shazam or saying Ant-Man's special effects are actually okay. Like, right. you're right. not going to have people doing that. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, we need a Jesus correspondent. So you, if you are that wannabe oh boy, wannabe oh girl, wannabe oh person. Person who has a specific tie or interest in the world of the Jesus movies, write to us at the podcast at gmail.com. You may have a chance to accept the greatest calling in life, which is to be a correspondent to the B.O. Boys. Yes. Um, speaking of correspondence to the B.O. Boys, last Ooh. thing I want to do here is talk about an email that we got from our good friend, Want to be oh boy, Adam. Adam from the Stacks. Wow, and one of the OG want to be oh boys. He's been with us since the beginning, and uh, he wrote to us about how big this D and D IP really is. So this is what he says: Dear Bo Boys, this message is about Dungeons and Dragons. How undervalued this IP is. When you play Dungeons and Dragons, you generally use a module, which is a specific book that has unique characters and a unique setting basically a plug-in these modules are very well written extremely in-depth with unique monsters villains locations excellent drawings creature design each one is like a pre-production handbook for a major studio film or high budget streaming series whoever gobbles up the film and streaming rights for dungeons and dragons is going to be on the first floor of what will in my humble opinion replace marvel in the late 2020s there's another tabletop ip warhammer which also has a massive audience the fact that Paramount is producing this Dungeons & Dragons film was another testament to their expertise in the field of box office. Very good chance that behind the scenes, Disney and Warners are duking it out for exclusive rights to both D&D and Warhammer. And then P.S. I believe Hasbro owns both D&D and Magic the Gathering and is connecting the two worlds at all, and all of their creatures therein. So that mm. is huge insight from Adam from the Stacks. And here's something to keep in mind. Paramount is releasing this Dungeons & Dragons film. Mm -hmm. Paramount also used to release, be the studio that was releasing the MCU films. Iron Man 1. Yes. And these, those first few years of MCU films were not released through Disney. They were released through Paramount. Mm -hmm. And then Marvel sold all of their IP to Disney. Disney owned Marvel, and then Disney became the studio that would produce and release MCU films. But Paramount had the chance back in the you know early 2010s to buy Marvel and still be the studio that puts out Marvel films. And as Adam from the Stack said... D&D might be the next Marvel and Disney's going to be sniffing their snout around this D&D &D property and, and this huge universe of characters there. Paramount has a second chance. Yeah, They could buy D&D, &D, become the exclusive studio that's going to release these movies, or they could once again lose to Disney. So this is well, put up or shut up time. And guess who's back in power over Disney? Bobby oh, Iger. Yep. He loves he loves buying stuff. 
Yep. Yep. So he's, he's the he's the most American of all uh, heads of studios where it's like, well, let's not make anything. Let's just buy everything. Yep. Yep. So it's not create. Gonna, let's just consume. It's going to be a huge story to cover. And listen, Paramount has had its victories against Disney. I mean, obviously, Bob Iger had his chance to buy Sonic the Hedgehog years yep. ago. And that didn't happen. And now Paramount's got the incredibly successful Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. But if Adam from the Stacks is is correct, and I have no reason to think he's not, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is a much, much bigger battleground than Sonic was. And maybe as big a battleground as Marvel was. You I know, mean, that's we'll, the thing is we might see tabletop games and video game adaptations mm-hmm. become the not necessarily as dominant as superhero movies were, but they're going to be maybe the prevailing blockbusters in the next coming decade. I mean, it makes total sense, you know, because comic books were a thing that were read by people who I think are currently 40 and up. I think if you are below 40 years old right now, you did not really grow up on comic books. You grew up on video games and these fantastical, you know, Settlers of Catan, Dungeons and Dragons type tabletop games. You know what you grew up on? Manga. And manga translates to anime, which translates to Crunchyroll. And that's why those movies are doing what they're doing. I would say that's a 20 and under set. I think this tw- people who are currently 20 to 40, it's video games above all else. And then these tabletop games and the people who are 20 to 40 now are going to be the ones driving the box office and running studios in the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, and then manga I think is 10, 15 years away from being in that, in that range. But I think Adam from the Stacks may have nailed it that Dungeons and Dragons is about to be VIP and to me then, therefore, the center of a bidding war. And listen, we don't root for anything other than box office, but I'm kind of rooting that Paramount pulls this one out. It would oh, be 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, Clayton, I think we've done it today. Have you, do you think we've it. done it? Of course we did it. All right, so like I said, email us at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. You might be able to be our Jesus correspondent. And hey, Adam from the Stacks, we love having someone who's at the forefront of D&D. He obviously knew his way around it. So if you also are someone who's into D&D, like Adam from the Stacks, like Clayton is, email us at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, give us five-star reviews on all podcast platforms, but especially Apple, because that's the only one that really matters. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel right down there. I'm pointing. You can see me pointing. If you are watching us on YouTube, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the BO Boys Pod, wannabe O intern Christopher is killing it with the video clips and mixing it up on Twitter. Of course, if you happen to miss it this weekend because you were watching WrestleMania or you were at Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves, we dropped a extra special episode this past weekend. It is an episode from April 1st, 1996. So Give that one a listen and uh, listen, Adam from the stacks. He was with us from the beginning. So I'm sure he was listening 
in real time back then, but you could catch up now on this special episode that we dropped over the weekend. The tapes were circulating back then. Yes, yes. It was the Jerky Boys and the B.O. Boys were the two big tapes amongst tape traders back in the mid-90s. Also, quick, just wanted to let people know we're going to be doing an earlier weekend preview episode might drop by Wednesday morning because Super Mario Brothers, the movie is dropping on Wednesday. And right now we are scheduled to have a very special guest on that show. I'll just say it because he would want us to say his name. And that is Danny of I screen, you scream for number four, four. the movies. That podcast, which we all know and love, Danny is going to be joining us to preview the Super Mario Brothers movie. He is very excited about this movie. We'll see how excited the country is very shortly. Oh, oh my God. I mean, this is okay. I don't want to spoil anything. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Huge. All right, Clayton. I think we've done it. We definitely did it, Pat. And I don't think there's anything left to say except for until next time. Will smell you at the box office. Nailed it.